No helicopters have been procured for me to go to golf course. Thank you. I've never said he wasn't a great politician. I'm just saying he's a <laughs> How'd you play out there today? Uh, well, I found the conditions challenging. Mostly because there's no grass on the golf course. But there never has been. I'm thinking about the swag bag. And I, yeah. I hope the swag bag. When you got three crevices on the green, your course is trash. What's going on, folks? Welcome back. Beltway Golfer Podcast, episode 52. Host Alex Dixon here. Second podcast this week for Championship Week out at Congressional Country Club, the KPMG Women's PGA. Went out this morning, got the lay of the land, and the course is looking fantastic. If you didn't check out last uh, yesterday's episode, episode 51, with Pete Went, the director of golf courses and grounds, do so. He talks about all the preparation going in to get getting getting the new blue ready for for championship week here i'm excited for the week pulled in today to get my media pass and as i pulled into my parking space there was there was a gentleman that was kind of guiding me into this this spot deep into the congressional parking lot i park and not a split second later the next car pulls in right behind me i look over boom Lexi Thompson right there. It's kind of cool. Driving her, I think it was a, maybe a tour-issued Bentley based on the plates, but still pretty cool. I'm going to head back out tomorrow to, to walk the course. And if if things go as planned, got got another podcast lined up before the tournament starts. So stay tuned for that. Today's guest is Jenny Sue Thompson. Jenny is extremely accomplished golfer from Northern Virginia. She had a decorated junior golf career within Virginia Junior Golf. She had an extremely successful college career and played on the LPGA for a few years. She made it into this event remarkably, despite the fact being retired from the LPGA, got in in a qualifying event, a, a stroke play championship that happened earlier this year down in Florida. And more remarkably, she just had her first kid in November had a son and entered this tournament because she knew the the, the PGA, women's PGA was going to be a congressional in her hometown and, and really wanted to make it or really wanted to make, give it a go. And she got in. Pretty remarkable story. I had a fantastic time chatting with her for, for 40 or so minutes and hearing some of her stories and, and learning all about her. So I'm excited to watch her compete at a congressional this week. And we'll be, uh, we'll most certainly be tracking her down and, and, and following her for, uh, for some holes while she competes out there. So looking forward to that. Before we get to the conversation with Jenny, a couple words from the sponsors. First, Four Craft Cocktails, F-O-R-E, craftcocktails.com. Should know by now, it's a transfusion in a can. Premium vodka, grape juice, lime juice, and what am I missing? Ginger ale. Four Craft Cocktails, F-O-R-E, craft cocktails. You can find them at fourcraftcocktails.com. You can find them at Total Wine and Beverage throughout northern virginia that's where i generally pick them up but they are they are stocked and, and and ready for consumption at greengrass clubs throughout the commonwealth coming out with a couple new flavors and i believe their latest batch that has been distributed is now seven percent abv up from five percent abv so a little extra kick in your forecraft so go go find them forecraftcocktails.com they've got a location finder seek them out if you're local club or course does not have them ask them why forecraftcocktails.com small business based in richmond produced in baltimore 
And if you support Four Craft Cocktails, you're for, you're supporting Bellway Golf in this podcast. So we appreciate it. Also sponsoring this podcast is Reston National Golf Course. 18 holes just off the toll road. It's been there for quite some time. If you're listening to this, this podcast, you're in the DC area and you play golf, you've probably played it a handful of times. But if you haven't gotten out there recently, new ownership, new management, they're putting a ton of resources into it. They're starting to have some fun events. They had a happy hour there the other day. They're, they're just about to finish the completion of their clubhouse renovation. They've got... Um, the, their patio is now they've got flat screens everywhere. It's called Pin High is the is the the bar slash restaurant. And they're starting to put a lot of work into the course as well. So if you haven't been out to Reston, Reston National recently, go back and check it out. Reston National Golf Course. That's it. Let's get to the podcast. This is again, episode 52 with Jenny Sue Thompson. Enjoy. All right. We are here with uh, Jenny Sue Thompson. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much for uh, taking a few minutes out of your busy schedule to join the Beltway Golfer podcast. Um, we were just chatting before we started recording and you are in town right now. Is that right? I am. I've been in town for, I think, a little over a month now. Um, you know, typically I'm down in Florida or I'm in um, North Carolina with my husband. He's a director of golf at both the Dive Preserve and Limbo Ridge. But obviously now that we have a se almost seven month old, um, I can't expect him to babysit during that time that I need to be practicing. He has a job too. So I have come back home to my parents. They live in Fairfax and they have been a huge help so that I can get the practice time and uh, a few hours to devote to golf. Yes. So the, I mean, the, there'll be an introduction before this or I probably explain it a little bit, but uh, there's a variety of reasons why you're, you're, you're very relevant to be on the show. One, you are a native of this area. This is Beltway Golfer. It's about yes. golf in this area. You are yes. a native of Fairfax. So Born where, did, where, did, the where did you grow up specifically? I grew up, uh, let's see, Fairfax, Virginia, Chantilly area. I went to Chantilly High School. Um, I'm a walk away from International Country Club. Um, but, you know, I grew up playing public golf. And honestly, that's where my roots are. <laughs> what, like, what courses did you play growing up? Uh, there was a course called Fairfax National. I believe it's a housing development now, but that is where I grew up. And then South Riding, and my parents still play there almost every day. So I like to go back and visit and, you know, look at the hazards that I couldn't clear back then. And now I'm like, this is literally a creek. I couldn't clear this. Got it. So your folks are still in the area. You said you live down in yes. Florida. Um, yes. I. We'll, th we'll talk a little bit more about I'm kind down of your... In your junior golf career a little bit, but the, but the, the reason that you're in town is the KPMG women's PGA championship coming up next week, which you qualified for, which from what I've read, it was, is, is pretty, is a pretty incredible story. Thank you. Um, honestly, I think it was a little bit of blind luck. Um, it, it helps to be oblivious sometimes, but you know, I, I've tried to qualify for the KPMG multiple times as a PGA professional, and I've always come up short, maybe one or two shots. And granted, like practicing, I'll completely admit, is not my favorite thing. Um, I'm a little too distractible and ADD for a long practice session like I used to do when I was a pro. But, you know, I was, I think it was three months after I had my son Oliver, and the sign up, you know, was a couple weeks prior, and I told my husband, like, I know I've signed up for this event every year, but I just, it doesn't make sense for me to do it again this year. Like I haven't played golf in literally four months. I don't even know where my clubs are. And, um, you know, what's the point? And he said, do you know where it is? And I said, oh yeah, it's at Congressional. So that would be kind of cool to get back home. 
but he said, you're definitely playing. You should um, ask your mom if she wants to come visit. And of course, that's an easy ask so that she can come see her first grandson. And I asked her to come down two weeks prior so that I could practice. And um, you know how it goes with kids. You might devote a day to do something, but it never really works out that way. So I, I think I got like 10 range sessions and three rounds on the golf course before I had to go play. So there's two, there's two astounding things here. One, you had a child three, three months prior which obviously yeah. every mother, you know, post-pregnancy, their experience is very different and recovery times, all kinds of stuff. Everyone, every situation is completely unique, but regardless, three months after having a child yeah. and playing as well, you did to, to qualify for a women's major is unreal in and of itself, regardless if you were still active on the LPGA or not. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I have to mention like, the year before when I qualified and just barely missed, I believe they're giving out eight or nine spots and I missed by one or two. So I did assume that this year the qualifier had the same amount of spots. I didn't read anything. I'm notorious for not reading directions and information sheets before I go out. The only thing I really truly look at is the rule sheet because that's really what matters. And, um, you know, the final day I signed my scorecard and I was like, I'm in sixth. I'm, I'm good. Like I'm solid. I'm in. And the uh, rules official said, you know, you need to stick around because there might be a playoff. And I said, is there a tie for six? I don't understand. I thought I was in by, you know, at least two or three people. And they said, Jenny, there's only one qualifier from this site. And I was, I was shocked. You know, the year prior, they had eight. So I was like, why is it only one? And they said, last year, we had the COVID cancellation of the LPGA National Championship. So that carried on to this event. But this event only gives one spot. So honestly, Alex, if you had told me that before or any time during the tournament, I probably would have put my pants. Like, there's no way I would have played that well. And, but just to clarify, so there was only one spot available to get into the women's PGA and you were in mm -hmm. sixth. But did I read this correctly? So the top five had essentially, they'd already qualified. So it just kind of went down to the next person. Yes, exactly. They were already exempt because they had played in the qualifier over the summer in July. And, you know, I had seen that pop up on, emails and my schedule and everything and i'm like i'm pregnant i'm not going to travel to go plan a golf tournament like it's not like it's two hours away this is like a hike for me to get there so i just decided that you know it wasn't going to be the year that i tried again and lucky me my husband pushed me and me not knowing what's really going on it all kind of worked out <laughs> so all of that is 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 crazy impressive and just and such an awesome story but then the <laughs> second piece of that is um you know, we'll get into your, your junior golf career, your amateur golf career, college, LPGA, but you've essentially been retired from professional golf for how many years? Um, about six years. 2015 six. was my final season. So you've clearly still got game. Like how, <laughs> uh, you know, to, 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 to get, I mean, so there's a couple, a couple different questions. Like one, like, um, how do you keep your game in shape? Yeah, I saw that you you work with your husband at the Dye Preserve in Jupiter. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But as a as a membership director, do I have that right? Yes, yes, I am. My primary job is the membership director. I uh, was able to obtain my PJ licensing while I was working. I started there in uh, the fall of 2016, and the management was super supportive. They really want the staff to play. And the fact is, my job. I'm the reason I was given the job is that. I'm supposed to play with prospective members. I'm supposed to play with current members. You know, it's amazing how much how much better you get to know somebody on the golf course in a four around versus, you know, 
a meet and greet, having dinner with them or whatever it is. But, you know, I was able to play almost every day. However, there's no question about it. I have hit more golf balls in the last six weeks than I have in the last six years. Um, I don't practice anymore unless there's a reason to like the KPMG, but, um, you know, it's social golf now at the, the club. It's, uh, playing for fun. There's usually a cocktail in my hand and I'm never walking really. It's always cart golf, fun golf. If I don't finish in three and a half hours, I'm like, what took so long? So it's, uh, it's complete opposite side of the spectrum now. <laughs> was was golf. the round there was the round that you played and well just to clarify, so the, the the tournament that you played in to qualify for this was the the women's stroke play championship in February. Yeah. Was that was that a, a 36 hole event or, or how it how was many? a three round event. Three yes, round. three days. Mm-hmm. So were you were you playing like out of your mind or was this just, this was your standard fair or like what was, and, and then the follow-up with like, what's your mindset just kind of playing in that? Uh, you know, I, my, I took my husband's advice once again and I said, you know, every year I've missed a couple shots. I've missed by a few strokes qualifying. And I really wish I had had a caddy during these events because they keep me from doing some pretty dumb things, especially when I'm no longer like a seasoned golfer and I'm not playing on a daily basis, especially in tournaments. Tournament golf is very different. So I went with my friend, Lance Gillett. He's a die, a caddy at the Dye Preserve and also up north. Um, but it's not like I played out of my mind. It was like a video game. I was like, where do I hit it? And he would just point and I'd shoot. And hopefully it'd end up there. If it didn't, I'd just shrug my shoulder and be like, whatever, let's go hit it again. Right. So it was just honestly a normal tournament. Like there was bad things. There was great things. There was some serious brain farts out there. But if anything, we were just trying to have fun. And um, I just got lucky. Well, it's just luck, Alex. <laughs> that's pretty, that's uh, it's awesome. Um, let me ask this. I did some research, but I couldn't find, have you played in a, in a women's major? Like when you're on the LPGA, mm-hmm. did you play in a few? Yes, I played. Actually, my final year on LPGA 2015 was the first year that KPMG sponsored the okay. PGA championship. If not, um, I, th- I believe before then it was the Wegmans championship. Okay. And, was, and uh, you know, KPMG took it over in 2015. I played it at Westchester country club. And I remember I was actually the first person to tee off in the championship because I had the first tee time and I started on 10 at Westchester, which is a par three. And, you know, someone on the tee said, you know, you can make history here and be the first person to tee off in the KPMG championship. And I, I'm known as a faster player and I was first in my group to play. So they announced my name. I remember running up my hybrid and I stuck the tee in the ground. Boom. And, you know, it was a good enough shot. (laughs) And I remember asking like, did I get the ball in the air before the other girl number one? And they're like, oh yeah, by a a long shot. Yes. But um, I played in the Opens, British Opens, um, the ANA, which was formerly known as the Craft Nabisco. So Yes, I've, I've played in majors, okay. and this will be my second major as a non-playing professional. I also got lucky again in 2018, and I qualified for um, the Open at Shoal Creek. Oh, you did? Okay. I didn't realize yeah. that. It's my first major as a mother. It's my first major <laughs> as a, you know, a, a real social golfer. Like it, My, my uh, seriousness and concern for... I guess how what I shoot has dwindled over the years for sure. sure. And really now it's like as long as I have fun, I have a a cocktail 
and I don't lose more than like two balls, it's, it's a great day. Right. Um, that's, that's the right mindset. Um, so you're, you're in town, you've been in town for a month. Um, you are, are you allowed to share where you're sitting right now as you're recording this? Sure. Yes, I am sitting in Great Falls, Virginia at the Riverbend Club. Um, my childhood golf coach forever. I've been taking lessons with Kirk Lucas and he is one of the instructors here now. And, um, he, you know, got me in contact with the right people here and they have been nice enough, the staff and members to extend privileges to me while I get prepared for the KPMG. So have you been out to congressional much? Um, I'm actually heading out tomorrow. Tomorrow will be my third round. I have played twice now with, you know, some friends out there a few weeks ago, but, um, yes, it is like a different planet. You know, I didn't play congressional before the redo a ton, but I have played it enough to know that when I step out there now, it's completely different. It's a link style looking golf course. I'm sure that next week it will play like it because of the higher temperatures and lack mm. of moisture, but it is beautiful. Um, I think more from a spectator standpoint, because honestly, that's where I am mentally. But um, just looking at the golf course, it's pretty cool because you can see so many more holes. If just wherever you stand on the golf course, you look to the right, left, six to seven holes. So yep. it, when the Ryder Cup's there, when they host future U.S. Opens and everything like that, it's going to be awesome for the spectators. Yeah, absolutely. I could, could, couldn't agree more with that. So the, the tournament, um, I think Jason Epstein in, in a previous podcast um, told me it's going to play ballpark 6,400 ish yards, give or take on, on certain days. Um, based on your couple practice rounds, I only got to play the re the renovated course for the first time on media day, just like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. but what, um, you know, are there are certain, what's, what, you know, as you, as you look forward to, to, to the rounds, are there certain holes or certain parts of the course that you're like, all right, this, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta dig in the heels here on the, on these couple holes. Well, when did you talk to Epstein? Uh, when was two, it, a couple weeks ago? two Fridays ago. Gosh, I really hope that something changed then because when I went out there, um, of course, they have some tee boxes that don't have markers. So they're trying to mm -hmm. save them for the championship. And everybody I spoke to in the golf shop and things that I've heard and read say that the course is going to play closer to 67 to 68. And I, I went on the um, player login last night and I was just looking at the schedule of events and everything. And they have the the white line yardages, as they call them. And, yeah. you know, for non-tournament players, the white line yardages, that means that is the longest yeah. that the hole will play. So they have slashes on the tee box. And that, I screenshotted it, is slated to play at 6,894 yards. Oh, wow. Well, So first <laughs> of all, I, I assure you, you have better information than me. I mean, this, No, I this, really hope you're right. <laughs> this was when... Uh, prior to doing the podcast, he kept, like, and I ended up playing a few days later, but he just drove me around the course. It was during their member member mm -hmm. in a cart. And I'm just, I'm just pulling that 6,400 yard. He had like kind of threw that number out. I'm just pulling that on memory. So there's a chance I got that wrong, but. That, you have me hopeful, Alex. Okay. It's, All right. Well, it is in the practice rounds, at least it is playing long. And, yeah. you know, I'm not the longest hitter by any means. I've been known to call my three wood and five wood, my walking stick and my hybrids are oftentimes more accurate than my wedges. So I I'm used to it. I'm, I guess, as ready as I can be for it, but you know, it's different like 
I, I will always say to members at the die when they ask me to play even further back, typically I play, play from like 65 to 6,600. I say, I didn't retire from the LPGA to hit driver three wood for fun. Like I want to play golf course. That's like more enjoyable. Sure. So um, yes, I have signed up now to do that all over again. So what are your, just what are your, what are your general expectations of, uh, the, of, of the week, your mindset going in? Mindset going in, I mean, I wish I could have expectations. I think even the best players in the world try not to have expectations. But my only expectations are to just have fun. And the only thing that I can really do is promise myself that I will commit to the best of my ability to every shot, you know, whether it's good or bad. Um, I haven't played tournament golf in a while. At the last tournament I played in now is um, played in the U.S. Open Qualifier at Bellhaven. And my father was caddying for me. I, he had a cart and he was driving around. And mind you, he hasn't seen me play in years. And there, I, it was a quick reminder of why I don't oftentimes ask my dad to caddy for me. It, because, you know, he loves me so much. He wants me to perform well. He wants me to do well. He doesn't put pressure on me, but like he just wants the best, obviously, mm -hmm. like any parent. And sure. I remember asking him um, over like a six footer and it had like a little bit of break left to right. And I said, Dad, you think this is outside the hole or you think I should play inside the lip? And he goes, if you hit it hard, it's straight. And I'm like, well, yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> so um, during this qualifier, it was... Uh, he just didn't want to steer you wrong. Exactly, exactly. And that wasn't a wrong answer. That's always right. But I, um, I shot 80 the first round. And, you know, my head now is like... I wonder what Oliver's doing. I wonder if he's sleeping. I wonder if he's napping. Um, so I said, Dad, sh should I like fake an injury and go home? <laughs> Jenny, it's just an 80. Like, just play the second round. Oliver's fine. He's with mom. Like, just play. So I said, you know, I'm just going to ditch everything I was thinking about that first round because I obviously I'm doing some swing changes. My swing is not what it used to be. So the second round, I was like, I'm just going to go play. I'm going to go flag every pen that I possibly can flag. And I was like four under through six holes into the second round. I ended up finishing, I think, two under for the 18 holes with some hiccups on the back nine. But I'm like, yeah, I still remember how to play. Like, sure. this is this is a nice reminder. But once again, it is much easier when you get two shots. Like, you get to play in the morning and you get to see the same pins all over again, go back out there within 30 minutes. Yeah. But, you know, that is the type of mentality I'm going to try to take into the KPMG. Like, I literally have nothing to lose. Um, so your family's still in the area. Uh, so will you have um, a decent-sized cheering section? I I believe so, yes. Uh, my brother and sister-in-law will come out to watch. Uh, my father, of course, be there for everything. My husband's coming up. Uh, originally, his family was going to come watch as well. And, you know, things happen in life. But I am slightly relieved that, you know, there's not too many family members because I do still get nervous. Um, you know, it's, I could have like a thousand strangers staring at me, but then to have family there, like there's expectations and everything. And all they really want to do is they want to have fun watching me as well. So yeah. um, I am very excited for them to come out and uh, see me again after however long it's been since I've seen me swing a golf club. And so I imagine your little one will be just outside the ropes or inside the ropes? Well, my son is much like myself. Um, he gets really fussy when he's hungry or hot. So um, with the weather, 
looking the way it is, it's supposed to be very hot next week, like mid nineties to close mm-hmm. to a hundred. Yeah. I, he, either, he will probably be in the clubhouse or he will be at home. Um, that's gotta be incredible. So, um, uh, my wife and I, we have an eight month old, our second, our Congratulations. second child was, was, was mm-hmm. born, uh, last September. Um, mm-hmm. and so I'm just basing this on what I see my wife go through. I mean, I see what, yes. um, my wife, uh, does day in and day out with an eight month old mm-hmm. and, uh, playing professional golf on top of that. Um, I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> I mean, I've always, especially after stepping away from professional golf, like the men and women out there playing for li- their livelihood, they are my heroes. Like they are truly disciplined, so talented to do what they do. Um, now, after experiencing a little bit of motherhood, like the mothers out there are absolutely amazing, superheroes. Um, the fact that they can balance practice, life, taking care of their families, their husbands, their other children, they're not just one. I think one is hard yeah. enough. So a lot of the moms out there have multiple kids and it's just, I I don't even understand like how they put food in their mouths because I'm so busy. Like if I wasn't here with my mother, I, I don't know. I would be a little more scrambled. Are there many, I mean, I said that without really even knowing any statistics or anything. Are there many mothers on the LPGA currently? There are definitely a lot of mothers. We have a, a daycare system out on tour but, you know, obviously they have to take maternity leave for a little bit and they just bounce right back into it. And many times, you know, once the kids get old enough to go to school, that's when you see a lot of mothers making the choice whether they should stay on tour or not. Many of them do, and I commend them. But um, I know from just the few times that I've had to leave Oliver so far, even if it's just for a day, it's heartbreaking to leave them. And, you know, they just carry on with their normal lives at home and you need to figure out which tournaments you're going to play in, how often you're going to get home, when you're going to bring the kids out to visit you. It's a lot to manage for sure. Sure. I, I believe it. So, so let's talk a little bit about um, growing up in this area. Um, so for folks that haven't, I showed you this beforehand, but there's a, there's a great piece on you in the Virginia mm-hmm. golfer. I'm a member. Thank I live you. in Arlington, Virginia. I'm a member of the Virginia state golf association. So I get their magazine mailed mm-hmm. to me and you were on the cover this month and there's a great article, but there's some, so I learned a lot about you reading that. Um, and, um, so I wasn't necessarily familiar with how big a star you were in junior golf in this area. Um, <laughs> so you. walk us through that a little bit. You won a couple Virginia state junior golf, um, yes, so like um state, I don't, I don't know what, what, the, what is the name? Girls of the championships. Yes. Okay. Um, I remember my first BSJ tournament when I was, when, what I was 11 was at, uh, CCV. And it was such a cool experience. Just everything about the Virginia State Golf Association was amazing growing up. Like I remember my prized possession as a teenager was not like whatever it could be as a teenager. Now, you know, they're on into iPads, but like we had like, you know, toys and gizmos, but mine was my VSJ golf bag. Like I was so happy when I finally got one. Um, I believe they gave me one for winning a Virginia women's or Virginia girls stroke play. And then I eventually played in a few team matches as well, like Virginia versus Maryland or Virginia's versus the Carolinas. And granted, I don't have that very much experience with other state golf associations, but Virginia state golf association was the bomb. It, they're always so professional, well-conducted tournaments. And even the tournament at Bellhaven, the qualifier was run by the VSGA and it's just, 
you can tell there's always something special about it. They do a great job. So growing up and being part of the VSGA was, you know, I'm very lucky to have been part of it. Uh, what or who got you hooked on golf? My father. Um, he, he used to work for the Korean embassy. And um, at that time, I believe someone gave him like two or three clubs. So he would gather golf balls and go practice on his own self-taught and then he would get better and better and he bought multiple sets of golf clubs but one day he came home and uh my mom's gonna get really mad at me for saying this but korean women are are known for having a little bit of a temper like i control my temper on the golf course i'm i'm good the temper is inside but um she was out on the driveway breaking his clubs in half (laughs) because she said you don't spend any time with your children. I mean, we must have given her a pretty rough day, my brother and I. So um, she said, you're no longer allowed to play golf on your own. You have to spend time with your kids. And if you're going to go play golf, you need to take your kids with you. So, you know, I think my brother and I are probably like four and five at the time. So he bought us, you know, sets of clubs and granite, like with those broken clubs, he has now new cut down clubs. So we started to play golf, but then we started to share like his time at the range eventually took us to the golf course and there would always be like a small reward like hey you know i know this is hard for you to be out here and for nine holes it's a lot like if you do really well i'll buy you an ice cream cone on the way home so i was like this is the best like i can just be outside and run around in the grass and my dad is gonna buy me an ice cream cone if i behave (laughs) so it eventually became like oh watching my brother play like i was like i can do that and, you know, honestly, what the real starter for me was, like, I vividly remember this, is my parents enrolled us in a junior camp at West Park in Leesburg. And there was a beginner's, yes, um, <laughs> there was a junior golf, or I'm sorry, there was a beginner's group and an advanced group. So just due to our ages, my mom automatically put me in beginners and my brother was in advanced. And this is so, when you're what, four, five, six, somewhere in there? No, I was probably like eight or nine by this okay. point. Okay. And, you know, the beginner section had wiffle balls. Like we didn't even hit real golf balls majority of the time. I think just the last few days of the camp, they took us out in the golf course. And Mark Guttenberg and his wife, Leslie, were the pros at West Park at the time. And they noticed me and had a talk with my mom like you know your daughter is much better than the beginner section you you know in the future we should probably put her in advance and she said oh I don't think her brother would like that because you know we're still at the age where we we don't want to be around each other was your brother was your brother good oh yeah your brother was very good golfer um to this day he practices well I take that back he never practices he um just plays and he has this uncanny ability to like make it up and down from Egypt like he'll be off somewhere crazy and this is why I don't play him in match play it's because he'll either triple a hole or he'll birdie three in a row like it's really annoying to watch as a former professional like I practice my butt off to pull off shots like that and I can't do it he is just has this imagination so um yes he was in the advanced section and Uh, There was another parent in that advanced group that her son played in a lot of golf tournaments and she kind of took my mom under the wing and said, this is the tournament schedule in the VSGA area. Uh, These are some national events that your daughter could qualify for. Like you should really give your daughter a little more attention in the realm of golf because it seems that she enjoys it and she's really good at it. So um, after that, 
year, my mom started putting me in golf tournaments and um, I shot a million, but I still had fun. And all of a sudden, like when I was a teenager, it was just my thing to do. In the summers, I was playing BSJ events, eventually some national events. And then people were like, did you know you could get a scholarship for this? And I'm like, what's that? Right. <laughs> but yeah, it, here I am now. That's a funny, I wonder, I would imagine that's the, not the only story of a professional golf career that was started by an ultimatum in a driveway about <laughs> take your kids out or else you're not allowed to play golf again. Um, you know, I, I haven't quite got that ultimatum, but I, you know, I've had some conversations that are heading in that direction. Um, so there's another one that was mentioned in the um, Virginia Golfer magazine um, that I wasn't familiar with. So you mentioned Kirk Lucas, your teacher. They, mm -hmm. they mentioned a place that you trained a lot with him out in Gainesville called The Farm. Is that yes. still around? I, I'm not familiar. No. So he had a large um, lot of land and he turned it into a driving range, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, multiple tee boxes, every sort of uneven lie you could possibly find. And I started with Kirk when The Farm was just dirt. No, I, I took lessons from him, I believe out in Sterling and like a warehouse as well. But then he eventually moved to Gainesville, Warrington area. And uh, once we got a grass with tea, or a, a grass with tea, a tea with grass is when we started hitting outside. But it was fun because you had to be super accurate because you had to go shag those golf balls up yourself. Mm -hmm. But when you got tired, like we would do all, all sorts of other things. They had a, a pond there. We would go fishing. We had ducks. Um, you know, if I got really bored, I would help shovel dirt. There was many times I'd come home really, really dirty. And my mom was like, are you playing golf or rolling around in mud? And I was like, both. Doing both. Is this but, like a high school, middle school? Like what, what are we talking? Uh, this was, I think, start of high school. Because I remember... My parents would drive me out there occasionally, but I got my license. And so I must have been like 15, 16 years old at least to drive out there. But um, yes, it was like, it wasn't an hour lesson. I would literally spend all day out there. All day. Golf daycare. Yes, golf daycare, essentially. We'd go get, we'd get lunch ordered in. Um, it was just fun. Just hanging out, hitting golf balls. You got bored, go, I mean go fishing, you know, it was just sure. everything that you could possibly imagine we did out there at the farm. It was just a lot of fun. Sounds like uh, some fun summers. A uh, yeah. couple more things I want to ask you about. One, <laughs> because it just took place last week, you were on a, a Curtis Cup team. Yes. This was 2006. Mm -hmm. Where where, uh, where did that year's event take place? That was at Bandon Dunes. Oh, it was. Mm -hmm. So that's fairly, mm -hmm. Ben and Dunes, what opened up, what, 2001, 2002, something like yes, that? Yes, so it's, it's still fairly relatively new. new. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, I believe it? at that time they, they only had Ben and Dunes, Pacific Trails, and Pacific Dunes. I don't know if they had a fourth course at the time. I don't think they had Old McDonald or um, the Sheep Ranch or anything like yeah. that. Sure, yeah, definitely not cheaper. So what was that, uh, mm -hmm. what was that experience like? Obviously, it's a huge honor to represent your country. Um, you know, I, I, I admitted this to a playing partner the other day, but I would say like looking back on my junior golf career, my height, my amateur college career, by far my favorite was amateur and college golf because playing on teams is, I think like 
the best time, the best way to play golf, you know, to have that kind of camaraderie. But I will admit, I still look back on my amateur career and as Curtis Cup as one of my bigger upsets because, you know, I didn't win a single point for the U.S. I didn't even make a half. Like I, I played um, a alternate shot match with my good friend Jenny Lee and we just got trumped by uh, Mel Reed and um, Brianne Louth, I believe. And I mean, like, tr- like Trump, like seven and six kind of trumped in alternate shot. They were on fire. And then um, in the singles match, I lost as well. But if I told this girl, her name is Bailey Davis. She takes lessons from John Scott Rattan at conventional. Yeah. Um, she's a very good amateur golfer, plays at Tennessee. And we got matched up in the yeah. um, U.S. Open and qualifier. And she got into the U.S. Open at that Bell yes, yeah. qualifier you were talking about. Yes. And I was like ultimate fangirl on her. I was like, you are so good at golf. Like teach me your ways. Let's practice together. Um, but she, we were talking about Curtis cup and I, I was saying like, I really hope that you qualify one year. You're like phenomenal. You're amazing. Great golfer. Like, and I try to give her some advice about, you know, school and golf. And I said, you know, try your best to stay in school. Like you're very, very good, but golf will always be there for you. So I encourage everybody to graduate, but, um, I admitted to her and like, I literally have never told anyone this, but I said Curtis Cup was one of my biggest upsets because I feel like I let the team down. Yes, the U.S. won, but I did not help. And she says, well, why do you feel that way? Like, what is so regrettable from the experience? And I said, the week before, I went and played the North and South at Pinehurst, which is also a pretty big amateur event. And I won. And, like, I went from the highest of highs to have won a big national event to the lowest of lows to not have performed well at the Curtis Cup. And looking back now, like if I knew anything about scheduling, maybe I wouldn't have played the North and South so that I could better prepare myself and make sure that like I was 100% capacity to play the Curtis Cup. But by the time I showed up in Oregon, I was a little tired. You know, the adrenaline kicks from the North and South had kind of died down and I was not at my fullest capacity. But I said that was one of my biggest regrets in amateur golf. And she said, you're calling one of your wins, one of your biggest regrets. And I was like, kind of. And she said, that's not how you should look at it. You know, you performed well, you had a great week. And like, either way, you were there to help your team. You know, they, they don't look back and say, gosh, Jenny shouldn't have played the North and South. Like, it was still quite the accomplishment. And I was like, okay, that's a good way of looking at it. But and now, now that I have that new perspective from a 19 year old, I'm like, Huh. Yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it too. That's, that's impressive. Why wise beyond her years. And that's also yeah. uh, I, you know, I don't think about that a lot, but like so in in golf, obviously team events are more rare and so they, they you know, mm-hmm. when, men or women when they play team golf, it, 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 a lot of times you read about or hear people talk about it, it matters so much more. But also in other team sports, basketball, football, baseball, maybe baseball because you're at bat, but it's like it's a it's a team game, there's a team flow where in golf team events it's like you had an individual record. I mean, you can play alternate shot yeah. in the team, but it, you, sometimes exactly. you can you can feel that weight. I, yeah, I, I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, let's move on for that, and, I, and I'll let you go here in a couple minutes. A couple more things. So, so you're, you mentioned college golf. You went to Furman and then Alabama. There, there's yeah. a few other notable uh, Crimson Tide professional golfers. Justin Thomas, I Absolutely. think, the most famous yes. one. Are there many women uh, professional golfers that are? are there uh, are now. There are now. Um, I did not have the opportunity to play with them because I'm much older, but there are, I think, three or four LPGA professionals that are Alabama girls now. 
Oh, mm -hmm. nice. Um, one thing um, in the, and again, and I keep referring to the article in, in uh, Virginia golfer, but um, they mm -hmm. talked a little bit about how, when, you know, you, you were professional play professional golfer total, what, seven or eight years, four years or so on the LPJ. And, and then you decided to, you know, change your priorities and, and, and start something new. And as you were kind of starting this new career, came back home here in the DC area and, and, and did some different jobs. And, and one of them yeah. kind of jumped out to me that you worked at the nightclub here in DC, the park at 14th. <laughs> I did. Yes. <laughs> um, How long did you work I, there? I worked there for, I think three months. Um, and to be honest, that is the job that I have by far learned the most. Um, I worked for Mark Barnes. I was his executive assistant. And like any job, you know, things are promised and your hours are set. And then, of course, things start to you know, change a little bit. But uh, for me as a golfer, I obviously I'm used to going up and down with the sun. I rise with the sun and I go to sleep and the sun goes down sometimes earlier. And uh, the park at 14th was complete opposite. I uh, would oftentimes roll into work at 9 a.m., you know, have my laptop ready, help Mark do whatever business had to be done. And then, you know, that would be a night that we'd be open. And, you know, for some reason, something would happen and I'd have to stay. And, you know, I always had like a change of clothes in the uh, car. You know, typically you'd walk in there with like sweats on, Lululemon, whatever. Just you look like you're working out, but you're really going to work. So that was the cool thing about it. And then I'd have to change into heels and a dress and put on makeup and all that kind of stuff. And it was basically just customer service, just making sure everything was taken care of. And, um, you know, walking by dinner tables, asking them if everything was prepared to their liking and things like that. And I had a little experience after working as a waitress and cocktailing a little bit. But it, what was just what I couldn't keep up with was the fact that oftentimes I'd be coming home when the birds were chirping and that was highly against my body clock, but I did it for a few months. And, you know, Mark Barnes, he's run quite a few successful businesses and he is the most organized person I've ever seen in my life. I keep making it a point saying like, when I go back home, I'm going to go visit, but you know, things get in the way. I have a baby now. <laughs> I can't really go to DC to even have dinner. So it's, um, I learned a lot about organization, time management, um, people skills, and just especially ha how to handle people that weren't so happy. That, um, that schedule wasn't necessarily conducive to, to good golf? Oh, God. I, I didn't play golf at all that year. <laughs> I, I didn't even, you know, identify as a golfer at that point. Right. So it was, uh, it was fine. It was like I was going backwards, like, I felt like that was a job I should have had out of college if I didn't play golf. And I, I was getting a chance to experience everything that I thought I had missed out on. But, you know, um, I think when I did leave, Mark's a great boss, but it, it was one of those situations where I was like, I'm out. I hate this place. There's tears. And he's like, why don't you just take a little time to yourself? And like, we don't want you to leave. And I'm like, I'm out. I'm leaving. But, you know, he did welcome me back two weeks later to turn in on my laptop and passwords and everything. And I just said, it's been a great experience. But this is not for me. You know, I, I learned the hard way, but it was still like mind, like mind blowing how well of a business he ran. And I've honestly taken a lot of the things I've learned from there to my job at the Dye Preserve. Of, you know, it's how do you manage people? How do you keep people happy?
Yeah. Well, good for you for learning that lesson or learning that, you know, that, that, that schedule and lifestyle wasn't for you in just three months. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot, a lot of folks though, my side, I bartended in DC for, for the better part of a decade before I finally mm-hmm. realized this, this is, this is not healthy. And, <laughs> and it was a lot schedule. of fun. It was a lot of fun though. Right. <laughs> um, well, listen, I know you got a lot of practicing to do, so I will let you go. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for taking out 45 minutes of your busy schedule in, in advance week of the big tournament. I'll be out there cheering you on, uh, you know, along with your, uh, your, your, your local cheering section and family. So best Thank of luck you. next week in Thank the KPMG. You so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. I appreciate it. I don't have a good golf game, but I don't really care. I'm a, I'm a regular dude living in DC. And I want to know about DC-centric golf stuff. If you can tell me something that I don't already know, then that is great for me. I don't want the regular stuff. I want exciting stuff. I want different stuff. I want stuff I can't hear elsewhere. But I want it to be about DC golf.